Hey everybody, Jeff here. Just wanted to check in, say hi, remind y'all what I sound like. <laughs> We're in probably the third week or so uh, since season four of the podcast ended. And uh, I'm not going to lie, I'm, I miss, you know, scheduling and meeting and recording and editing and all that stuff. And especially, um, you know, publishing podcasts and seeing reactions. Uh, I miss that stuff. But um, at the same time, season four lasted a lot longer uh, for, for many different reasons than previous seasons. And Michelle and I just felt like, you know, we needed some time off, uh, time to time to kind of reset, time to clear our heads, clear our souls, check in with our families and our friends, and at the same time, obviously, start plotting season five. And uh, we're, we're doing all that stuff. Uh, things are going well. Hope things are going well for you all. Um, just a quick moment to say thanks for sticking with us. Uh, it's been about five years now that we've been doing this, four seasons, five years, 196 episodes. Yeah, uh, you know, we've been doing this for a minute, um, and a lot of great stuff has happened along the way. Today happens to be the anniversary of my own move to San Francisco. It happened June 1st in the year 2000, which seems about like five or six lifetimes ago. Obviously, a lot has changed here in San Francisco. A lot has changed in my life. Um, I'm 22 years older than I was then. <laughs> I think that has a little bit to do with uh, with everything. But um, I'm still here. I still love it. Uh, it still drives me crazy. I'm constantly reminded of beautiful line from Last Black Man in San Francisco. You don't get to hate it unless you love it. Um, I, you know, I, I can't speak to what it's like to live this long in really any other city because I never have. But that statement is so, so true of, of San Francisco. Obviously, there's a lot of problems here. Uh, you know, stuff that stuff that we all see every day, whether we're looking at the news or walking around town or riding the bus. That stuff's real. Uh, you know, our unhoused population, that's very real. And I choose to look at that issue when it occurs in my life um, with sympathy. Uh, to me, it's not blight. It's human lives. And, um, you know, I would just encourage all of us no matter what we feel about it or what we think the solutions are to take a moment to realize that these are humans and each of them has their own story. Um, sort of tying back into what we do on this podcast. Um, we've all got a story um, and we're all part of and subject to a system that uh, I think by its very nature has winners and losers but one thing I, I do want to talk about that's going on that I just want to be on record with how I feel is the recall next week of uh, D.A. Chase Boudin. I don't have to tell you that there's been a flurry ever since um, the federal elections in 2020. All up and down the, at least the West Coast that I've seen, 
firsthand. There's been a flurry of recall attempts, mayors, DAs, school boards, um, really, I think governors in, in a couple of cases, obviously, in California. And um, one layer of that onion to me is uh, part of you know the bigger problem of the right in this country just not accepting our best attempt at fair and uh, free elections. Um, obviously, the right in this country doesn't believe in fair and free elections. And when we hold them, uh, which we do quite often, <laughs> you know, they're not often happy with the results. And of course, the attempt to get more and more people to vote and to make it easier for people to vote and for voters to become more well-informed uh, goes against everything that the right stands for. And when it comes to the recall of Chesa Boudin, obviously there are a lot of people who would not describe themselves as right-wingers or Republicans or what have you, who are for the recall. While that's puzzling, I f and I, of course I can't speak to everyone's motivations or where they're coming from, uh, there's so much misinformation out there. The most relevant source of the misinformation being that crime is somehow worse in San Francisco than either it was before or that it is in other places, and that's just simply not true. Um, Chesa was elected narrowly. Uh, I remember the, the election very well. Um, but he he was elected, uh, perhaps not given a mandate, but he's doing everything in office that he said he would do, everything that he campaigned on. Um, and if you're not familiar with the whole idea of restorative justice, um, I suggest that you read read up on it. It's, you know, it, it's characterized as a left progressive policy. Uh, I don't see it that way. I see it as one minor way in which to undo the injustices that this country has sort of um, operated under for the last 250 years. Uh, specifically when it comes to criminal punishment of black and brown people. Um, I also suggest, if you haven't, to read the book The New Jim Crow by Michelle Alexander. It's a great book that sort of um, recaps the history of the actual Jim Crow era in this country and then uses that as sort of a basis of what's been going on at least since the 70s and 80s in this country, first with the war on drugs and then with mass incarceration and then with the privatization of prisons and all these other things. And uh, the reason I bring that up is because I, I feel like Michelle Alexander does a great job of laying that sort of, of laying out what is happening uh, and what has been happening for a few generations now. And for me, the reason I support Chesa is that he stands against that. There's a lot of folks out there who are doing the hard work, a lot of very smart lawyers and thinkers and writers and educators. Um, and Chesa just happened to get elected. Um, I think it's an amazing thing. It was... I didn't expect it. It happened. Uh, obviously, I'm happy about it. And, you know, a, a, another another aspect is that he's doing exactly what he said he'd do. And even if you disagree with it, there's no... Um, there's no reason not to let him finish his term. Um, and if you disagree with him, vote against him next year. Uh 
In fact, yes, his term is up next year, so he'll be up for election. Uh, one other book I wanted to mention um, that might help sort of contextualize what's going on in San Francisco. And again, crime is not up here. Um, just like everywhere else, we're suffering from a pandemic, uh, and it's having its effects on courts. It's having an, its effects on people's you know economic situation. But the 1619 Project, um, I got that book a few months ago, and I'm about halfway through it, um, and it's just constantly blowing my mind of just how baked in to our criminal justice system, not just our social systems, but our criminal justice system, how much white supremacy and racism are baked into the to the system itself. Um, it's not always easy to see. It's not always apparent, but it's there. And folks like Chessa and the people that he brought into the, the district attorney's office in San Francisco are working to undo those deep, deep policies. <laughs> One other thing I wanted to point out, um, every, I think this, I think I saw this on SFist, uh, is that every substantial media outlet out there in, in San Francisco, in the Bay Area, including, surprisingly, the SF Chronicle, um, all of them but one reject the recall. If you have a Chronicle subscription, good for you. I don't. So I haven't read their editorial, uh, but I know that they came out against it. So if you have a, a subscription, I recommend that you read that. Uh, most of the other outlets, Bold Italic, SFist, um, SF Bayview, 48 Hills, uh, Mission Local, um, those are all not behind a paywall. So I, I, I recommend that you go out and, you know, before next week's election, do your best to, to educate yourself on what's really happening. And um, one more thing I'd like to point out uh, is that our, our dear friends over at Bitch Talk Podcast had District Attorney Boudin on their show a few months ago. And, you know, uh, one of the one other thing I love about Chesa Boudin is that he's not a politician. Um, there's not a whole lot of spin. He's not good at it. Um, and that's kind of the point. So I recommend you go and, and, and look for that. Uh, but in the meantime, yeah, uh, have a great summer. Uh, be on the lookout. We're running occasional reruns of our show hang in there. We are working on some real fun stuff. We're going to change some things up with uh, how what, what we do at Storied San Francisco. Some things that I think that you all will be really excited about. we got some new music as we do every season. We've already got that secured. I'm not going to let you know what it is or, or play any of it for you because I don't want to, I don't want to give you too much here, but um, just know that things are, uh, things are moving along. We're talking about possibly having an event this summer later in the summer to kick off season five. But uh, yeah, yet again, I just want to, you know, thank you for, for sticking with us. Thank you for doing whatever it is you do uh, here in San Francisco or the Bay area. Uh, And thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you soon. Music for the podcast was produced, performed and curated by Otis McDonald. Original photography is by Michelle Kilfeather. Aaron Lim of Bitch Talk Podcast is our contributing producer. And the show is produced and hosted by me, 
Jeff Hunt. Now in our fourth season, we have more than 190 episodes available on our website, storiedsf.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you can, please rate and review our show so we can reach even more folks. We love email. Drop us a line at storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Stay strong, stay healthy, and we'll see you next time on Storied San Francisco. This podcast is a proud member of the BFF.FM podcast network. Learn more at podcast.bff.fm. BFF.FM, best frequencies forever.